Hey, Glenn from Made by Folk here. Today I'm talking to Andy Welland, a British artist and art director who's known for his vibrant and graphic collage work. He was kind enough to create our December cover, which you should definitely check out on our site. Andy and I talked about finding a balance between his artistic work and his commercial work as a designer and how he transitions between the two disciplines. If you ever thought about pursuing a different creative path, then I'm sure you'll love this episode. Uh, today I'd like to welcome British artist and art director Andy Welland uh, to the podcast. Hi Glenn, how you doing? I'm very good, thanks very much Andy. Um, yeah, so maybe for, I think a, a nice little way to introduce you is maybe rather than tell us who you are and what you do, because we'll get into that anyway, is for someone who is listening to this, how would you describe your work to them? That's a tricky one. Sure, in simple words, super bright, insanely bright graphic collages straddling art and design worlds really where are we talking to you right now give us a little introduction uh, to yeah, where you're sure. sitting. So i'm currently in sheffield and my my studio is essentially in the top bedroom it's all converted purposely built really and um, there's two cats downstairs that are locked away for the purpose of this podcast so we don't get interrupted um but Sheff- sheffield's a great great city to to make work in really because very easy to get to London where most of my client base is um, great connections everywhere just a really good community and creative spirit here really it's just cheap to make work hmm. so have you found the the internet being more useful to your practice these days then being in Sheffield yeah it always has to be honest I think when I sort of started my career I came out of art school I graduated 2007 and weirdly, before that, I had a job doing viral marketing when that was just start, starting up in maybe 2000s. So it's always been kind of integral. And I've, I've, I've always just communicated, really, through the internet. A lot of my clients have come through that. Um, so a lot of people who don't, you know, use the internet for clients as such find it quite a struggle to go, oh, so where do you, how do you get your work? It's the age-old question. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that's that's just how I communicate. And then I'll you know I'll hop on a train and go and see people. I've got clients in Oxford and London and all over the place. But yeah, so I'm either at my desk all the time talking <laughs> on Skype like we are now, or I'm seeing people. So it's a bit of bit of the two worlds really. Yeah. So what first got you interested in art and design? Oh gosh, wow, big question. It's a good one though. I think so. So I'm just from a small mining town just outside of Sheffield. Um, and I don't really think design wasn't really a thing, or and but art was, and I always loved art, but I'd never weirdly pursued it. And my the long the long story is essentially I did a computer course, um, a programming course straight out after school, because um, I wanted to be a games programmer, and I just never got on with it. I, I think I did the first year and then I sort of struggled, and then always had this interest in art and design never knew what it was and I started picking up flyers in Sheffield I used to come through as you know as a sort of teenager and see these flyers and there were the designers republic flyers at the time and I remember seeing the cover of Edge magazine which was a computer game news magazine and it had a cover of Wipeout mm. by DR mm-hmm. and I was like oh my god what is this this is like don't know what it is it's really exciting and interesting and then my design interest was sort of peaked then 
So, uh, yeah, I did this, this college course, didn't kind of work. Then I fell into doing viral advertising for an agency in London. Very strange. And did that for a few years. And then I was kind of like, I, wanna ma- I just want to make stuff, but I don't know what I want to make. <laughs> I didn't want to go straight into design because I felt like I, I loved it in a way. And I didn't want to affect that with the baggage of uh, educational sort of hierarchy and that kind of thing, I guess. So I ended up doing a foundation and that was the best, one of the best decisions I ever made because that was just really opened up my mind and my mm-hmm. brain. And for, those, for those outside the UK, you might have to describe mm. what a foundation course is. Yeah, it's quite a European model, actually. It's lovely. So the kind of structured slightly differently these days, but essentially mine was a year long course pre-university. So it, you essentially bolt on your degree to that so it's four years but it's, it's super experimental so you, you literally start off by learning how to draw again um conceptual artwork and then also ceramics printmaking 3d filmmaking everything mm-hmm. but the energy there and it's just a really safe space to be in and just just go for it just go yeah. to town and just go crazy so that kind of really opened me up and then i was like this this is it. I think I'm good at this, and I really love it. And from there, um, I ended up doing a fine art degree at Sheffield, which was three years. So yeah, you actually studied yeah. fine art, and wait, the, so you you did the viral marketing part before you actually uh, started. <laughs> yeah, studying? It, so because yeah, because yeah, it was kind of like the dawn of the internet in a weird way, like two two thousands. Yeah, and back then it was a lot of forums forums were the thing where you communicated mm-hmm. and there was like kate and k and yeah. uh, dreamless all those kind of forums and and this agency in london it was called cake they they kind of found a couple of us me and my friends because we mm-hmm. participated in those and kind of made weird little memes before there were memes i guess um and then we got invited down to do what was the first project it was for like reebok or something <laughs> And we were like 17 year olds going to London, sitting on beanbags in this meeting, going, Yes, yeah, so what, what? What are you paying us to go on the internet and talk about these products and things? And yeah, it was very strange. Brilliant. Um, that sounds great. <laughs> it was just weird. And, it, and it, was a, it was a strange time because when, when you're 17, 18, and then you're getting paid to do this, and then before college, you're just going to go out and spend all your money on dream. nightclubs and be, yeah, it was. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, this is not, I either do this and I'm not really loving it or, but it gave me the opportunity to, you know, spend some time and think about what I really wanted to do. You got your art degree, yeah. And um, what well, after after your studies, did you then um, go further into advertising or? Um... Yeah. So, it, the beauty about that art course was it was very open. It was it was called a fine art course, but it was it was quite conceptual actually. But it gave you the freedom to go. I'm into painting. Go do that. I'm into screen printing. Right. Okay. Great. Go do that. I don't want to make any art, but I want to talk about it. You could do that, and I think by the end of my degree, I had this interest in graphic design, and I started to formulate my work around that. So I sort of made this for my final piece. I think I made a children's storybook 
um, and this and this sort of TP tent, it was all super conceptual, but um, it gave you a real grounding into what you could do. So from then, I was like, right, I want to, I want to do a design career, but not quite design. I don't know what I want, but I ended up going for an internship in London at uh, MNC Saatchi, and MNC Saatchi is an interesting one because they're essentially made up of lots of little companies within a bigger structure as such um and i managed to get an internship at in the luxury division and i think i was their first intern they ever had and it was it was amazing it was one of the best experiences i think just just coming from a small town again and into london and then you just see everything and it's like oh my god all you know all the energy and the possibilities of doing things and that was an amazing experience because we worked on super high-end brands like Krug Champagne and this kind of thing. And they had a really close relationship with Tom Hingston studio. So there's, you know, you're working with giants and there's like Nick Knight who's photographing the campaign. And there's only like three or four of us in this team. So to be exposed to that kind of level so early on was just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And so I just kind of soaked that up for, I ended up staying for my the duration of my internship and then I think they kept me on in a sort of semi-permanent role for another year or two <laughs> um, yeah and uh, um, um, how, so tell us what you're doing right now like you're you're mixing uh, I guess commercial work and your artwork yeah. side by side what I did after that was I sort of right now I want to do a design job so I ended up freelancing for a bit got a job at an agency in Leeds, did a few of the round the blocks, and then I thought, I, can't, I think I want to do this myself, have a go. Um, but I always remember going back to London and speaking to my boss then, and she said the be best thing, she said, the be your, be your best work is your super bright, bright colours, full of energy. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And never really, I don't know, it's, it's a tricky one, I think, as a designer, you wear a lot of different hats all the time. And sometimes it feels a bit schizophrenic. And I think that's where these works came from in a way because I wanted something that was mine and no one else's in a sort of selfish way, I guess. And I think as a designer, you give yourself up a lot in terms of this is the brief and you don't want to, you know, it's definitely not like you go first. You've got to kind of give the client what they want and, and that and this is like well i want to be a bit selfish actually and this is me on a plate whatever that is so that's where that's where that stuff came from really and and it literally came from a project that didn't get picked a route that didn't get picked and it was like there's something in this um so and which, i think i can use it was this that you kind of felt comfortable or confident enough to call yourself an artist is this like uh, uh, that's that's yeah that's a great one because even even Back in the university days, that's what the first day everybody said, you, you're artists. Everyone here is an artist. But even now, I've spoken to artists in Sheffield and they go, oh, so, so you're a designer or an artist? And I'm like, an artist is such a big word, isn't it? It's such a loaded word. But yeah, I kind of, I've kind of started saying it a little bit. Only recently, yeah. I spoke to uh, an artist in Berlin called Patrick Thomas, and he specifically calls himself a graphic artist because he kind of like blends those two worlds together. Yeah. And he can't decide, you know, he doesn't feel like he needs to decide. He just wants to be in the middle there. 
yeah that's yeah that's lovely and his, his work is, is amazing for that isn't it his work really I had the time but I put it off on my phone but I miss your call I feel bad but I don't at all For someone who's considering making this step from maybe doing their their daily job, but they've they've got this love for a um, a craft that might sometimes come into their work, but maybe not on a regular basis. Like, what would you give them for advice on 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 making that that leap to sure. to really take that maybe just a hobby into something that they take serious? I think I think if you if you can find something that it's, it sounds a bit cheesy but a bit pure and, and something that you love doing, then it's easy. It should be easy for you. And then if it's easy and you enjoy it, that just keep doing it. And and I think just try and put it out there in in whatever form that is. I mean, Instagram is a bit of a love and hate relationship, really, because you you kind of put it out there and you go, oh, should I have put it out there or not? Because it's not really finished. It's sketchbook. But I think. Just throw it out there because you never know what what's going to come from it. And I think the good thing about Instagram is it's not permanent. It's not like you're putting it on a website and it's a finished product. So I think my advice would be just just try stuff. Try stuff that you love doing and, and see if there's see if there's a thread that somebody can go, Oh Andy Welland, he does he does a scribble. A, a few dots and a, and a squiggle but you'll know his work and I think, I think that's kind of important these days I have a lot of friends we, we, we talk about it a lot and and you know what these days there's probably thousands of people doing dot scribbles and circles just because that's the internet but I think if you, if you can find something that you can have that lift conversation with and go this is what I do I do bright things or I do you know portraits of dogs really well that could be your thing yeah and I, and I, but I, yeah, I, and I, and that's not to say just don't focus on one thing. Just focus on drawing dogs. <laughs> but I don't know. Give it a whirl. I think you just got to try and put it out there. But I think if it's consistent, people are seeing the same thing. Then you're an easy thing to buy into. And that's that's the problem I had it with it as being a designer, really. And that's kind of why I took all the work off because I do a lot of educational work. I do a lot of visual identity systems and things like that and somebody will always say yeah but have you done a label for a, a, a tea brand it's like well no but i've done one for this drinks brand and then people sometimes that world they need to see they need to see it before they can even commission you and that's like well maybe i don't want to show that maybe that's not what i'm into and then you like then you get stuck so at least if you put in the stuff out that you love then you're more likely to maybe get commissioned or hired. Yeah, for that people work. have got to see it. I think that's yeah. the thing these days is people need to see it because if you're not showing it, somebody else will be. Somebody yeah. else will be drawing or designing milk bottles for a living when you <laughs> want to be doing that, but you're not showing them. So, <laughs> so is Instagram and your website the main way you promote your work? Do you use any other methods that you I think can it recommend? Is. Yeah, sometimes I do a physical book and um, or or a product or something and send it to clients just more of a thank you i guess that kind of thing but i'm amazed instagram's a funny one just because i've had clients reference it 
for when when a brief comes in or something and they'll do a little snapshot of oh it's like this we want you know could you do something like this and like it's just interesting to see that you know especially from a design point of view because normally you get a brief and all of that where instagram's a lot more now you want this but could you just make that blue that sort of thing yeah but like what's your what's the creative brief like because because you obviously have a unique perspective mm -hmm. on the creative brief when it comes like how do they compare from the design and the art world oh when, gosh yeah <laughs> I mean, massively just... different massively different so i'm sure everybody listening knows a design brief can be amazing or it can be like really vague or but i'd say the design briefs are more problem solving very much you've got to try and figure it out and is that going to work and can't how do we shove that bit in there and how do we get more energy into that bit whereas the art briefs are just i'm kind of new to it in a way which is lovely because i'm a bit of, I'm, maybe i'm a bit naive to it but it's very much more like oh can you do that but just massive so and i think it, it's a great question because the way i've structured my artwork is with an understanding of the design world so these 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 works essentially came from a lot of projects where I've worked with an amazing studio, um, Sanderson Bob, and a lot of the times that is based around visual identity systems. So we worked on stuff for uh, uh, Visa for the World Cup. So it literally comes from, does it fit on a credit card to does it fit outside a stadium? And how does that transition, that sort of scale? A bit like that we did for the website, actually, for the Made by Folk headers. So there's, you know, there's a desktop version and a mobile version. So how does that scale? How does it work? So I think if you've got those fundamentals as a designer in your mind, if somebody says, right, we want to put it on a stamp, okay, I can do that. I want to put it on a side of a building. Um, but yeah, I think, I think designers make a great transition into the art world because they've already figured out the fundamentals. But, um, but yeah, back to your original question in terms of the briefs, they're just, they're just more fluid, I think, more open. So I think it's just a case of you've got to make your own constraints but I think coming from an art world is you do that anyway because because you've got and, and also from designs you these these are the walls you've set up so it's got to fit in that space so dislike the the question where do you get inspiration from because it's so thrown around but what i like is maybe what's the most unusual thing that's influenced your work like is there something like really random that you've come across or that, that you've experienced yeah that you absolutely feel has sort think, of had an impact on how you work or the kind of work that you do i think it's a really important question did a spot of teaching for a couple of years and you know students were so how do you get your inspiration it's and it's often when when you're not looking for it in a weird way i think you experience something and then it's usually when you're in the shower or the bath afterwards and then it kind of comes to you that gestation period but my mind came from a lot of it just experiencing different cultures and that multiculturalism and how they collide and the remixing of all that which i try and present in the work in a way 
um, like we did a trip to Japan and just just to see how Americana is reinterpreted or British culture is reinterpreted and then they put their own stamp on it yeah. and then they sell it back to us and yeah. we buy it and <laughs> do you know what I mean? That, that's, I find that fascinating. Fashion's a great one. Fashion's a fantastic one, I think, because especially like the, like the Gucci collection at the moment is just crazy. It's just the influences and how it all combines and then, you know, combine that with video and one thing and another. I think it just comes from a really interesting place. Um, but yeah, everything, even from food or anything really, I think that's, it's that combination of two things coming together. I think it's important though, if you, if you combine two cultures, you've got, you've got to sort of, um, give give kudos to where it originally came from if that makes sense you know pay homage to this is the origin of that and it belongs to that culture and vice versa you fill your day basically with two jobs one of which i guess makes you happy do you feel like is 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 your artwork what makes you happy are there other elements uh, of your daily life that you kind of do to sort of find fulfillment or is it are, are you already fulfilled with with those i think two so practices? yeah i think it's I think if I was just doing one thing or the other, I think I'd want a bit more of the other thing, yeah. just because that's how we are as humans. I, st I still get joy out of design projects because you're kind of wrangling this thing and nobody knows what it is yet. And then you make something together and it might not have been how you originally wanted or what it what you intended, but then it's made somebody really happy and it's doing the purpose for them and then it kind of lives on. So that's always that's always lovely. But the art is... Is amazing because it's just so pure from you. And when you see a piece of work in what like I've got big pieces in the We Work offices, and the best the best comment is when somebody goes in and goes, "Wow!" And you see their eyes light up because of the color, and and that's you just you just can't beat that. That's like I want more, one more of that. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that's quite an addictive feeling to, to get is. that kind of reaction from you. Yeah, work. it is it. <laughs> It sounds it sounds really egotistical, but I imagine it's how rock stars feel in a weird <laughs> way. Or like, do you know what I mean? Because you you're putting yourself out there on a stage, and you you're going, "This is me." Mm -hmm. And then if somebody likes it, you kind of go, "Oh no, I want a bit more of that." Actually, yeah. Can can we do it bigger? Can yeah. we can we do more? Can we show? <laughs> My next question, finally enough, was going to be, "What are you most proud of?" I presume maybe is it like is there a piece of work or is it like your 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 creative work as a whole? Is there something specific that you could pick out that That's you feel a great proud one. of? I think I wouldn't say there's a particular piece. I think it's more the, the my practice, I guess, because it's kind of come full circle. Just just you know from art school and then going into design and then back again and, and tying it all together, but doing enough that I know that in theory I could do a lifetime of this work and extend it and the, the stuff I've kind of put out online is maybe like 3% of where it's going and what it can be um, so there's there's like a lot of ambition there to just get into that next stage really so I'm just kind of I think I just feel proud that I've kind of made it made it this far really 
Awesome. Um, so for anyone that wants to see more of Andy's work, you can find it all on our website. We'll show some of the uh, his work in, in the video as well that we're recording for this podcast. Andy, would you want to like maybe send people to any specific um, websites or channels? Sure. Uh, well, there's, yeah, there's, um, there's your fantastic site, of course. Uh, <laughs> just done an exclusive run of prints, actually, at an amazing shop in Dublin called Hen's Teeth. Nice. Um, so that's the only place to buy those recent screen prints um, and there's a few secret projects coming up in the works um, but aside from that Instagram of course which is at Mecca Squid I'm sure you've got a link on your uh, website will do that's great really Thank awesome you. thanks very much Andy it's been a pleasure talking to you you too thanks Glenn bye bye <laughs> Thanks for sticking around to the end. If you want to find out more about Andy's work or watch a video of our chat, head over to madebyfolk.com. The music on each of our episodes is brought to you by Mammal Sounds. On today's episode, you were listening to Thinking Of by Daist. You can listen to the full track on our website. It looks like this will be the last episode this year. I had planned on doing 10 episodes, so I'm surprised that I managed to do 11. As always, I'm really interested to get your feedback and hear from you guys on what you thought was good, what was bad, what I can improve on. With every episode, I've learned a ton about recording and it's been brilliant fun to talk to all the people that have taken the time over this year to talk to me. I hope you have a great end to the year and you'll hear from me in 2019.